you like my table? I love your table. That I actually do. Really. Well. I, I don't know what it is about raw materials, but I do quite like just un, like un, unfashioned things, like just raw plywood or raw MDF. Yeah, well, I'm, I I had an idea once Jamie had been that I was actually going to get everybody to sign it. <laughs> and then when we're all famous and stuff like that, we can, you know, like mm. some sort of rock star's guitar, we can have it hanging in like a local cafe or something like everybody, or hanging on my wall. It'd be some sort of fucked up NFT sort of thing anyway. <laughs> How are you doing this evening anyway? You good? Yeah, good. Yeah, you good. said you were cold when you came in. Is your house as cold as mine? My my house is actually as cold as yours, yeah. But that's not because my heating's broken. It's because all our windows are open and I love the cold. It's um, quite a strange Deliberately? Thing. I quite like the cold. Like I, I would, if you put me in a situation where I had to decide whether I wanted to warm up or cool down, it would always be in a cold situation trying to warm up probably the way around. <laughs> that's a different thing. That's that, that's not the same thing. Ex- existing in a cold house is murder. It's been seven days since my heating's been on. And this is an old sort of... Um, you know, Miller's Cottage and it's just, it, there's bricks, there's dry stone, there's plaster and everything. And it just, in the summer, it's roasting. In the winter, it's just Baltic and you, and you, and you can't get rid of it. But I don't, I actually, I don't, I, well, yeah, I do reason with you on that. I don't like it when I actually feel cold to my bones. That's like, that's boring. That's where I am right now. I just go and stand in the shower for like half an hour if that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so for what, what, what you guys can see is um, we're, we're sitting in my front room um and we've got an electric heater on underneath the table and we've got a fan heater and we, t- we only turned that off because it's humming in the background for the for the microphones. But um, it, it, it's fairly comfortable, I guess. Uh, cold, cold drinks aside. So um, I have got Alex with me for uh, a bit of a selfish reason, actually. I want to have a conversation with him about um, how one deals with the sort of everything from the imposter syndrome of exposing yourself online and parts of your life online uh, right to the sort of self-worth kind of thing and we have a mutual friend that's copped a load of shit um online for something that nobody can really give an opinion on because they, they don't know the ins and outs of it and it got us into a conversation that um basically developed into me asking him along here tonight um for those of you that don't know alex i am just going to ask him who he is and what he does over to you <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like an open-ended question, eh? Yeah. Who am I and what do I do? Well, yeah, I'm Alex. Um, where do I start? Um, lover of mountain bikes, drink way too much coffee. Uh, I love building things. I think that's the... I, think, I was trying to think of like a sentence that you could encapsulate everything about me in one thing, and it's so hard to do. Um, but I do genuinely love building things, whether it's online or um, sharing things with people of, of interest and value. Uh, love progress in like any sense. So whether it's mountain biking or it's, again, building something or helping somebody else make progress in mountain biking or anything. I just, I thrive off that. Do you, um, do you like finished products or are you somebody who's always looking at something and going... You know, do I push a little further or or build more? Do you like the, the process or do you like to see the finished product and then move on to something else? Yeah, I, I've got a lot of, I feel like I've got a lot on my table and a lot on my plate. And I feel like that guy, you know, the guy in the circus spinning about a thousand plates at yeah. once. That's what it can feel like sometimes. But I do tend to try and see things through to completion. So like whether it is building a new digital product online or I don't know what, anything piece of content a video i do like the process like i like turning 
something into or nothing into something. That's what appeals to me about say YouTube videos. Like you have all this stuff, which essentially is nothing. And then you turn it into a story or into a thing, a tangible thing that people love to watch. Yeah. It's strange the, the digital thing, because it's still nothing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's still it's just, just things. It's yeah, it's just pixels and like flying through the air and what have you. Zeros actually. and ones. Yeah, exactly. Where, yeah. where do you think that came from? My love for building stuff. Yeah. Creation even, I guess we could call it. Um, I've always had like a, um, quite a, a, I don't know if you would call it a funny personality, but I've always been, if I get stuck into something, I don't know if it's like what you'd call like someone with ADHD would have or uh, something like that. But if I find something I'm interested in, I go like a thousand percent focused on it and like can't uh, do anything else until that thing is finished or I find something else that is of interest to me at that level. It's, it's crazy. I don't know if that is, is that what ADHD is? Or is that um, what, like, well, my son is Asperger's and that's similar. Uh, yeah, but it, does, it doesn't mean you have, <laughs> but it's, it's a trait of that. Mm. And I know many families with, with, with kids that have got Asperger's and it's, um, it can manifest in, in, in like, you know, creative and, mm. and productive focus. It can also manifest in not wanting to pull away from something and, 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 and disappearing into a, so, so like my son will spend time on his, his computer games and he'll create stuff and what have you, and he will not be pulled away. But mm. actually, when he's pulled away and you give him another option, he's actually, he'll get into that. Mm. So he can switch his focus when when forced. But when he's on something that he wants to do, if he goes, right, I'm going to make this thing or do this thing, until you give him, or until you make him accept a different option, you you, you know, you metaphorically, you wouldn't see him for days. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a trait, doesn't it? But I think that can be a trait in, in um, neurotypical people as well yeah you know i don't know where else it came from i'm just trying to think back down like the family line or anything where it's come from did um, you do it when you were younger though i mean what, what was the because you 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 started i know you started mountain biking at a fairly you've been you've been a racer and you know quite successful at that and, and um you know i i I mean, think back to sort of school and what have you i can't trace anything back to my childhood apart from all my faults because i, I wasn't nurtured or encouraged at all to do anything um I've always, I've always, talking about the process of doing things, I've always liked the hard work that goes into making stuff. So like when I left school, I went straight into the building trade and was a joiner. So I like, did an apprenticeship in joinery, um, was told that I needed to get something to fall back on, you know, like. Yeah, I've been just, there. Yeah. You know, or maybe I wasn't told that, but that was like kind of like where I was led. Like, let's just go and um, get something. So I've got something to fall back on if, if everything else goes pear-shaped. So I did my apprenticeship. And obviously on a building site, like it's all about hard work, graft. And when you when you are the apprentice, you are just like the you literally run around for everybody else doing stuff. I sure I look I learned a lot of kind of valuable skills, but the I never really I never really gelled with anyone who I worked with on the building site um, trade because they never understood me and I never understood them. They could never understand why. Say for example, I would bring like my own food into lunch that was like prepared for me they yeah. would always be like why aren't you just having fish and chips why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing that they could never understand it and you know i could never understand why they would literally take all my tools and do silly things with them like i remember once they would they took all my tools and they glued them to the floor with like this like self-expanding foam or whatever yeah they took my boots and they nail gunned them to the floor and all this stuff kind of like made me it was kind of funny but at the same time it was a bit like I don't really earn enough money from this. It's not fun. And you guys are making it even less fun. But through that, I did learn like hard work. Like 
and I enjoyed the hard work. I don't know what it was about, like the, like the achievement of putting a roof on a house or building a house or whatever. I used to really enjoy that. And that, if I look back, that's kind of like what's come through everything. And that like the hard work in whatever it has been, seeing things through. Um, my dad was, dad was quite entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial actually. He, um, he got made redundant from a job. He was a pest controller, uh, got made redundant. And then he started his own business and went down that road. And, um, I kind of was quite inspired by that actually, because I've all, I, I've always loved people who just go their own way mm-hmm. or create their own path. Like, and he was one of the people that first did that. Uh, every, you know, everyone else in the family has always worked for someone else. Or my mum's like a, you know, a midwife and stuff. Yeah. And she loves doing that. Great at it. Um, but she probably would never be the person to start her own business or anything like that. Whereas my dad was just like, I want to do my own thing. And, uh, he was pretty successful. At it. So, so what did he do? He started his own pest control business. Oh, right. Okay. So he, he got made redundant from a company and then he just started up on his own. Yeah. So you didn't follow him? Funny enough, I actually used to work with my dad. So when I left the building trade, I worked with my dad. And I think my dad's bright idea or um, thought was that I would work underneath him as like an apprentice or whatever. And then over time, I would take over his business and we would work together and grow this little like mini pest control empire. Mm. But <laughs> it was kind of like the opposite because... I found working with a family member is so hard because we used to live together as well. So if we ever argued or fell out on site at work, it would usually come home and then we would just be at each other's necks. So it was, it wasn't really something I was doing full time. All I had in my mind was this is just a way to make some extra money to fund me to go bike racing and do more of what I want to do. Um, so we, yeah, we kind of just like went our separate ways after a few years, but that was, I mean, my dad's, my dad's, always been a grafter as well like he's another person who's inspired me like he's he, he lo- he's another person who just loves doing stuff like he he, had, he announced like last year that he was retiring and he, oh, yeah, <laughs> like okay, he was like yeah right. i'm retiring and, he, and, he, and at the time he was like oh this is great i'm gonna retire i'm gonna sit back and relax and i i could tell a mile off what was gonna happen and literally a few months in re- into retirement i asked him like oh, how are you doing he's like i'm actually really bored because he misses like the whole you know, getting down his hands and knees, like doing what he used to. He just he loves the the graft of doing stuff. I think I'm kind of similar. I could I could um, I could generalize and say that people that work with their hands and that are creative, and especially people with entrepreneurial spirit and and people who have their own business, that that retirement story, everybody's got one of those or a couple of those in in, in their pocket to tell you about somebody who's retired and then just gone straight back to it or done that thing for free for their neighbors. You know, like my 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 granddad on my mum's side was a gardener for years when he came out of the navy, and he and he'd go and he charge, he'd have his roots and what have you. And when he retired, he lasted like no time at all, and then he was out doing it for free. I don't understand the whole. I don't even understand the term retirement because to me, retirement suggests that you're doing something now that you don't enjoy. So then, re- do you know, yeah, what you're mean? shoving it to the side, you're, yeah, yeah, you're you're like, be- or behind you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm almost like, well, if you enjoy what you're doing, why should you have to ever retire? Like, I, th- I think it's. Um, I don't know this to be the case, but for me, I think it's something that's been, it's a pension related mm, thing. Yeah. I think we probably, you know, every generation that's grown up, maybe now well, certainly the last 40, 50 years has sort of equated retirement with a pension. Mm. So the age, the, the age of retirement isn't 
retirement age it's pension age mm. i might be getting that wrong but i'm pretty sure that that's right um yeah it, it's tricky and i know what you mean about working working with family it can it, it's it can be incredibly rewarding so mm. so i've done that as well i won't go into it. It's be, it, it i did it for all the right reasons we did it for all the right reasons but yeah bringing it home you know trying to spend tight quality time with each other and that kind of stuff so so it's so it's tough um and ultimately we just we went we went our separate ways and, and in a way it's it never, the relationship's never been the same be different with your dad you know um but uh, yeah it's it's it, it's tricky so when you came out of there what was that direction were you already riding bikes when you were doing that so yeah so i was already riding bikes a lot uh i was already sharing quite a lot of stuff like on the internet so it's like i I've always loved sharing what I've been up to. And back then, mountain biking, the goal for me for mountain biking back then was just, I want to race. I want to race for a living. I want to get, I want someone to pay me to go and race. And I want to do that for the rest of my life. That's that's who I always used to look up to the people on the DVDs I used to watch and like used to know that they were doing that for a living. So I would, I would love to do that. So I worked towards that for a few years. What year was that? What year was Ballpark? that? I think between about 2008 to about 2015, oh, right. okay. maybe. I, I think maybe maybe I'm getting those dates a little bit wrong, but it was around that time. And that's the only thing I'd ever focus on. So anything I ever did as a job or anything like that, it was always, how do I make this amount of money so it can fund this thing I'm doing? That's all it was about. And then we, every year we would use that money that was saved up like over the winter just to go racing for like six months or whatever uh, to Europe to wherever to go and chase UCI points to go and race, potentially go and race at World Cups. And I never actually got to World Cup level. I think I got about 18 UCI points and you needed 20 back then to qualify, to be able to, be able to go to a World Cup. Oh, so you never got to race? I never, never got, got to race, race World Cup. I used to race international races quite a lot. And that was kind of like the, the, the stepping stone between racing like a British down on national race and the world cup kind feel like of your maxis cups and that type yeah, of stuff yeah. in your and ixs cups so ixs cups yeah. really enjoyed that they were really well organized met a, a lot of good people um so that was the focus for like that length of time and then kind of as time went on kind of transitioned away from racing downhill and then started racing enduro mountain bikes and then it kind of like to where we are now I've kind of, I wouldn't say I've lost complete interest in the whole concept of racing. I still love racing, but I think my my viewpoint on racing has changed a lot and like what I feel my purpose is or like what I enjoy creating or what I enjoy doing. And sometimes it is racing, but sometimes it's not. Like I I genuinely just love going finding stuff that is unique that maybe some some people have never ridden before or seen before. I, I actually like making content that makes people think, holy shit, like what are you doing? Like, I love, <laughs> it sounds so bad. And if my mum and dad are listening to this, which my mum will probably listen to this. She, lo- she listens to every single piece of content I put out. Right. And she'll be thinking, what the hell is he going on about? But I genuinely love going finding stuff that is like, not, um, like it's very calculated, you know, like it looks, it looks extremely dangerous and it probably is, but it's very, I, find, I always find when you're doing something like, that looks really dangerous, really exposed, like big jumps and big, like gnarly features and this, that and the other, the tendency is to be so much more calculated with it. Oh, you'll notice as a coach. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it may look like someone is just a complete maniac who is watching <laughs> from the outside, yeah. but the actual like calculation that goes into hitting something that is so technical and like, yeah. 
is so different to doing just like a normal feature or something. I always drill this into people. Um, you know, it's not applicable to everybody, um, or, or you know, in the moment. But I always say, if you're going to have something, have a thought process. Yeah. You know, and, and if you need to slow down to put that thought process into you know into gear and, and use it in whatever you're doing, whether that be a race as a full thing or a corner you're trying to negotiate, then slow down and put it in 100%. because eventually it'll it, it'll become your map. So yeah, yeah it's it's less about mm. the the bike more than it is about that. I think like I've never, I think in the last few years I've developed quite a, a good thought process for hitting and 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 doing whatever the feature is, whether it's a mountain bike or what. Um, if I if I don't feel a hundred percent with something and I can't see myself visually doing it yeah. before I do it, I, d- I step away and don't do it. I, I'm quite humble in that fact. Like if I if I only feel like seventy eight percent ready to do something and there's still a bit of doubt, I'm a bit like mm, maybe this isn't the right time to do this. Whereas if I can see myself doing something and I'm like yeah, I know exactly how it's going to feel before I've done it, I almost like some people have almost accused me of being like not scared and stuff. I don't think, I think anyone who says they don't, they're not scared of things is, uh, not being truthful. Cause I think fear is something you just learn to manage, I which agree. is, yeah. which is something I've tried to focus on in the last few years, which has been a big skill to develop. Like I think I read a book called, what was it called? Uh, the chimps paradox mm. by Dr. Stephen Peters. And he, he, he works as, as a psychologist at British cycling. Uh, for, you know, work with all the athletes yeah. and stuff. And I actually went to go and see him uh, a few years ago. I, I had a, a close family friend who, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I should say his name or not, but he was, um, he was one of the doctors on uh, the, the, the the Sky road racing okay, team. Okay, right, okay. I think he ended up getting busted for, you know, some <laughs> Maybe bad practices. His name for yeah, some bad yeah. practices okay. about, you know, performance enhancing. Leave stuff it in the like. anecdote. Anyway, but he he was a he, he still is a great family friend and he he put me in touch with somebody at British Cycling and he was a, a psychologist and and back then when I was racing downhill, like I always used to think it was all about the how skillful you are on a bike and that was the only thing that mattered. And then when somebody opened my eyes to sports psychology and the mental side of sport that kind of like opened a whole kind of worms because then I realized like it doesn't actually matter. You could have all the skill in the world, but if you haven't got the right head to put that skill into practice, it doesn't matter. So then I started going down that rabbit hole of like, okay, how do I, how do I master become like a, some sort of a master of my mind? Some Zen master down here. I mean, the only thing that he taught me was, or this book taught me, sorry, was uh, the chimp's paradox is all about understanding this your, your chimp's mind. You know that 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 the thing in your brain that's always trying to tell you not to do things, and it just it feels like it ruins everything. It's evolution it's, at work, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Like it is that sort of adaptation or that protection? Yeah, on on full. Yeah, sort of and, on. and and all this book taught me, or though I took away from it, was it's all about learning to manage that chimp, not trying, not not exist, uh, pretend it doesn't exist or anything. It's all about just trying to manage it and understand it. So. With that in mind, I was I've, I've now I literally apply that to everything. And whenever there's like fear present, I'm like, we're trying to analyze it and like what, like why is that fear? Like what's going on here? And, and like I said, this has led to this whole calculated process. In this 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 bleeds into literally everything I do, whether it is a a, a dangerous looking mountain bike feature or something that isn't dangerous at all, like doing this podcast. I mean, there's still some fear in doing this podcast. Like you are putting yourself out there. Yeah, of course, yeah. Ready to be judged. So there's still, for me, that is still like a thing I've got to manage. Like the chimp in my head now, it's going, holy hell, holy hell, holy hell. <laughs> what are they going to think? What are they going to think? What are they going to think? 
And um, I'm just going to punch one side and just letting it fester. It's fine. Just feeding it banana every now and again, and, <laughs> you know. Um, but there is a very calculated process behind a lot of the things that may not look so calculated. And I, I'm fairly sure if you spoke to a lot of athletes at the highest level, they would say the same thing. Like if you see an athlete at Red Bull Hardline or Red Bull Rampage or anything that looks ridiculous, they have such a meticulous thought process that goes behind everything. And what you think looks ridiculous and like why would you do that they are so calculated well most of them probably are so calculated that it doesn't even cross their mind they're that confident in things sure you're going to get times when things don't go the right way but for the most point if a rider knows they're going to stick something like they'll most probably stick it yeah i think this is this is why i did like half a dozen races in the early 2000s and, mm. and then just thank you it just just ditched it. it i've never been that kind of bring me the horizon kind of, you know, <laughs> race sort of guy, like, you know, and, and I, I don't, you know, I, I can, I can put things together in, in my mind and, and, and have a thought process like that. But I, I'll sometimes not ride my bike for a wee while and go up the golf and I'll drop into the first trail off one of the forest roads and I'll be like, Christ, my whole body's going, can you, should you, who's around here? What's the benefit? Am I, am I trying to go fast here? Am I trying to go? So yeah, I mean, you can't do that when the when when the beeps run out like, like fort william or whatever that's you've just got to be present like mm. right there in this this focus and i i just never had that so i'm i'm kind of in awe of 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 people that can do that and were you taking um were you taking youtube videos Wait, when did you start doing the youtube videos were you taking content when you were out at these races and then because you said it around the same time you started sharing stuff mm. so what what did that look like it's funny, actually, you know, they always say you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Well, I started going back through some of my old Facebook videos, like in the last six months. And I was looking back to like when I first started posting on the internet. And it was back in 2000, and I think I actually wrote a blog post today on this. It was back in 2012, so it was 10 years ago. I started my first Instagram post was back when I was in New Zealand and somebody told me to get Instagram, this thing where you could share what you were doing. And uh, it shows was, you how technology's moved on. You're a veteran. I know, yeah. 10 years and you're a veteran. It was like <laughs> 3,700 and something days ago. That's how, that's how many times, that's how many days I've been consistently posting stuff on the internet. And anyway, I, I was looking back at, like even back to the high school days, when I, whenever we used to finish high school, literally we'd finish school and we and there would be a bunch of us that would go and just ride mountain bikes every single night every single day on the weekend and that's all we would do and if i look back then the amount of videos i have i've always had a camera and i never thought i, I it never clicked when i was back then that I, like um why i was doing this or anything but when i look back now i'm like christ like i've always had <laughs> some sort of thing to document what I'm right, doing, yeah. whatever it's been a camera or a, I don't know, like a, a notepad. I've always had something. Um, back when I was racing, I didn't really do this whole YouTube thing or anything like that. I didn't really post any videos online, GoPros and, and being able to, you know, film yourself as a mountain bike. It weren't really a thing. So I never really posted stuff. So the only content I would have is something that somebody would send me from the race. So it was a photo or a video or whatever. So I never really took that seriously. Um, when I started racing, uh, I think it was when I met Amanda, actually, we started taking YouTube seriously. I, like I've always, when did we, when was that? Uh, I can't actually remember when I met Amanda. That's going to be really bad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's listening to this, but I, anyway, uh, we, we, I, I, I wouldn't say I taught Amanda to ride a bike. She already knew how to ride one, but when I met her, she decided to 
jump in with both feet and get a mountain bike. And I think I actually quite enjoyed documenting her progress as much as she sort of loved seeing it. So it, I, I, I just, like I said, just love seeing progress. So we'd all, we would always used to go out and film little mini edits and just to show her progress. And it's built up some over time now where you can look back and, and be like, oh, look, that's where you started and look where you are now. I love that before yeah, and after it's kind cool. of thing. I, I, I've, I've watched it as well. It's like, it, it's strange because I've, I've known you guys for, for a wee while. I, not you so much um, as, as, as Amanda just hanging around and I'd, I'd seen her about, about more. But actually, it's funny, I've... I've you know, my my introduction to your um, your Wolfpack um, mm. channel was her her struggle mm. in riding challenging terrain, and now you know, having watched all that, and now she's like, you know, you not not she, I'm I'm not single, but you guys are going out, and 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 she, I guess she is going and hitting jump lines and stuff like that, and then really kind of burgeoned into this confident uh, but and, and it's it's really really strange and I, i've known a lot of kids who have, have raced um you know from from the the sdas and stuff like that say so kids 13 14 year old and actually followed them all mm. online over the last 15 years and watched them all become the people i see in the street now and we know so much about each other by the people that chose to document that that sort of stuff mm -hmm. sorry for the interruption there but i think i think it's important to to say that 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 um that is recognized from the outside. That's not just, you know, mm. your, your um, you know, you, it's not limited to your sort of um, vision of that. It, it, it does manifest. That's good to see. That's good to hear as well. Because like obviously when you start creating stuff for the, for the first, I don't even know how long it would be, but nobody, you feel nobody watches or sees anything. Like literally, yeah. you, almost like you're posting and sharing stuff to nobody. And you're just like, nobody's going to listen to this. Nobody's watching this, blah, blah, blah. And to be honest with you, when we first started, it was the same. I remember getting the first couple of views on one of our videos. And, and all we, me and Amanda ever wanted to do was to share. Wolfpack Adventures came about because it was a way of us sharing our adventures. And it, and it started out as being about Amanda's progress on a bike. And then that kind of like morphed into, well, let's go abroad. Let's take you know the motorhome abroad. Let's go to all these different places and just show people what we're up to. And then it started to get traction, but it wasn't, it probably took a good year or so until people actually started to properly tune in and we actually built like an actual audience base of people who kind of knew who we were. Uh, you know, you, when you start getting recognized locally, then like regionally. And it, it wasn't until a couple of years later, we started getting noticed when we were away and it was the weirdest <laughs> feeling. Like, you know, when someone turns to you and, and says your name or like, oh, how's the dog doing? Or how's that? And you're like, what? Like, this is real strange. And it's it's a bit more common now, but like back then it was so it's so alien to me and Amanda, like, what is going on with this? This is so strange. All we did was start out to just share like what we were doing as a way. It's almost like a, why, you know, when you have like photo albums of families and stuff, it yeah. was just like our way of document what we were doing. The same with Instagram. Like we just treated it as like a, a, a photo album or a family sure. photo album, yeah. whatever it worked, whatever you would call it. It wasn't like, it, there was nothing to do with like, oh, that's, Let's see how many followers we can get. Let's see how many subscribers we can get. It was just, just yeah. I think it, it's strange when 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 my son turns eighteen, I'll need to go through my phone to find the embarrassing photographs and then get somebody mail order to print them out and then bring them back so I can embarrass him at his party. Um, 
you know, people don't have boxes of photographs. I've got one box of photographs under that windowsill there. And I don't think any of the photographs are any newer than 1998 or some, something like that. I mean, there'll be a few in there. But, I mean, that that's the way people are documenting stuff now, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it, yeah. It's, I, I think I, I read... Um, I read one of your newsletters, and it's funny because that—that's another thing that that joins straight onto um, what you're saying there is is uh, to document and not create. Yeah, I mean you can create once you've got a following. Mm. If somebody, if you see a, a you know a, a behaviors and algorithms and what have you, but um, can you talk about that a wee bit? I mean, what? Um, so you you chose to document your life as Wolfpack Adventures. Was that was there? So so when when did you realize there that you're you were creating mm. something and it perhaps wasn't? Would would there be a point you got to where you thought you had to create mm. um, instead of just being you know, having that sort of flippant documenting approach? I guess. Yeah, that that whole that whole comparison came across. I heard that from a quite a successful entrepreneur called Gary Vaynerchuk and he's he's uh, someone I used to always look up to and he always used to he still his biggest thing is always talking about sh- uh, sharing content online and he he talked about this concept document don't create and it was his way of overcoming like how to actually start because you know when people start and want to create something online whether it is a YouTube channel or a podcast or whatever it is they they literally sit for so long wondering what to try to be deliberate trying, about yeah, exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well listen i've been through the same thing yeah i totally recognize that yeah so he his whole thesis is that people don't want to see that like people like just start documenting what you're doing or you know show your flaws like if you, don't don't overthink it the creation the creation side comes when for me anyway it came further down the line when i kind of had an audience base and i was i, I wouldn't say looking at data or it, it, it more came from like seeing what people were enjoying and kind of like thinking, right, okay, how can I create more content like this that people w- would like to see? Because there's definitely certain types of things that we that I share online that don't go down too well, whereas there's other things that I share that is really well received. And I've only, I only know that now because I've got so much data to look at and like see like, right, well, this is kind of like what people like. Maybe I should create more of this. But then there's that fine line as well that like, you don't want to end up pandering to other people and sure. looking at data and yeah. algorithms and stuff too much or in it. Cause that's when it gets a little bit like, are you actually then creating or are you just pandering to numbers and algorithms and it's, it's not your real you. So now I, 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 I do, I, do, I generally now still have gone back to that documenting thing. Like if I, if I want to share something and I think it's valuable, I'll just share it and I'll almost like post and ghost. I'll yeah. post it. I won't worry about what, what the algorithm does or how how much engagement it gets, how many views it gets. I just post and ghost, and just I'm, I'm not too fussed. Like if if I find interest, I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe some other people will find it interesting too and useful. But the documenting thing was just a way of getting over that hurdle of how do I start making stuff online? Like just just put stuff out. Like if it's if it's like eighty percent of the way there, just get it out, ship it. Just yeah. get it out there. Don't don't worry about perfectionism. I guess, I guess there's pressure as well if you've got you've got the the the, the channel as it is, as it is uh, building, the time you're spending mm. doing it, the resources, um, you know, the assets, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
you have to make a change to keep up with all that mm-hmm. because you know if 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 uh, you see a bell curve of of all those sort of your available time assets that kind of thing then you're going to have to offset that and that might be finance it might be more time and and, and stuff like that as well mm. so have you did you have a full time job when you started um, Wolfpack are you were you employed or um yeah so when I left the building trade uh, I just going to jump back a second like I. I actually went down the personal training route. So, oh, really? Because I was so obsessed with training for mountain biking. I was like, right, how can I how can I use this to my advantage and do some, maybe this is something I could go down and enjoy. So I studied for a few years to become a personal trainer. Oh, no, maybe, sorry. I studied for a couple of months to become a personal trainer. <laughs> it was, yeah, I think- A couple about, of full months? Yeah, literally. You <laughs> wow. get qualified so fast. So I, I did that, uh, again, with that whole focus thing, like that's all I was interested in, nutrition, fitness, training, Got a bunch of clients, worked at a different a couple of different places for myself, and quickly fell out of love with personal training. And I think it was mainly because I was putting so much effort into trying to help other people and then kind of realized that they weren't actually interested in personal training at all. They all they the people I was training were, you know, like 30, 40, 50 year old mums. And all they wanted was a place to come and exercise and just vent to you and chat and just have a good time and move. They weren't bothered about like what reps and sets you were getting to do or anything. Whereas back then I was like, no, we need to do this. We need to be structured in this way. And, and it would really frustrate when someone wouldn't follow my instructions mm. in terms of like they wouldn't, <laughs> some, some people would cancel sessions at like six in the morning. Um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't follow my advice when I, in the 23 hours outside, when I didn't see them outside sure. of the gym. Yeah. And then they didn't get the results that uh, they were looking for. So I was a bit like, do you know what? I'm, I'm a bit sick and tired of this. And plus there was all this, um, there's a lot of contradicting ideas and different opinions and stuff in the fitness industry. And I was a bit sick of it. Like there's, there's, there was, there's so many different ways to skin cats in the fitness industry. Like mm-hmm. if you say for example, if someone wanted to lose weight, you can do that a million and one different ways. But sure. when you've got one person who believes in their methodology, it's like, no, this is the only way to do it. And then if you don't agree with that, it just causes conflicts. And I'm, I'm, I was a bit like, I'm not interested in this. So I left the fitness industry and came across this thing called copywriting and copywriting is basically writing words to sell things or getting people to take an action. It's like kind of like persuasive writing, but like for direct sales kind of thing. So you, you would see this in, you would see it anywhere in magazines, literally everywhere. Anything that is trying to get you to buy something with the word, with written words, that's copywriting. So I, I came across that through some personal trainer, mastermind I was a part of that I paid for and this thing was helping me get more clients in my personal training business so then when I left that I was like oh I can actually use copywriting to get I figured out how to use copywriting to get clients myself and then I was like okay well if I don't enjoy personal training for myself like training other people maybe I can help other fitness trainers get clients with copywriting so I did that and then moved away from fitness completely and actually did copywriting for a couple of different clients online and work as a copywriter up until maybe just like last year really which is i it was i wouldn't really class it as work it's, it's i was literally just going <laughs> go to a coffee shop do a couple of hours work and i, I was that person sat in starbucks you know on the macbook i've seen you through the windows yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i saw you in costa the other day and i nearly came in and i was like i'll just leave him he looks hard to work <laughs> so i don't really do copywriting anymore but like i i love going to coffee shops to do work like i i just thrive off being in like a busy 
a bubbling place. I can't just sit at home and do stuff. It just, it, I, I can't do it. So I go to these public places and I just get in this really weird focus zone to do things. So, so, I, so you drink a lot of coffee because oh you've been God. in coffee houses? Oh, or do you, I, did you, are you in coffee houses because you already like drinking a lot of coffee? I, I don't I, oh God, this is like another tin of worms talking about coffee. Like, I love the whole process of making coffee. <laughs> Even, even just like the whole, even just the smell of coffee and being in a coffee shop and just everything that goes with a coffee shop. Yeah. Coffee shops are now like the new uh, modern bars, right? Like you go to a coffee shop. Alex just, just became very animated. There's no reason he's ads like coffee shops. Are new. <laughs> That's funny. Your your attitude completely changed there. I should I should I should say that this it's probably the back of seven at night now. And um, Alex came around at a half past. I said, "Would you like like a, a cup of tea or something?" Black coffee. Boy sitting here with a <laughs> cup of black coffee. I'm not going to go down that road. Let, let's go back. So you 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 work in coffee shops. Um, weird focus, and you came out of copywriting. And um, yeah. So and then from there, I, this is where I kind of discovered this whole internet landscape of like oh my god this is insane like as soon as you make as soon as i made my first like bit of money using the internet i was like absolutely hooked and and then since then i've I've done all sorts of different things online to fund my mountain biking before now which is like most of my income now comes from content creation from video creation from riding bikes from you know going out creating stuff but back then it was more how do i make money online or how do i just make money in general to then fund my passion and copyright opened the door to that. And then that kind of bled into, I was working at a, it was an online training company that taught people how to start and grow Amazon businesses, like a business on Amazon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And to, so it's like drop shipping and stuff. Kind, kind of. Yeah. They, well, they, they taught a model that was private labeling so that you would basically import stuff from China and you would create a brand around that and you'd sell products on Amazon. So, I was doing copywriting for this client. So I was doing a lot of their email marketing and to, to, to get a better understanding of their clients and who they were attracting into their business. I was like, well, why don't I just start an Amazon business? Cause then I can understand what the problems are, what the challenges are. So plowed a load of money and a load of time into learning how to start and grow an Amazon business. Got quite successful with that. Um, started selling products globally. So I think I've still got products selling in Australia, the UK, all across Europe, North America. And that's kind of like a quite passive. I don't really do much on that. Mm-hmm. It just, just ticks over nicely. It's I'm, I'm not planning on continuing growing it. I'm not, I've kind of lost a bit of interest in it to be honest here, but it just <laughs> sits there. It just sits and does its own thing. And then from that kind of just merged into like now where I've, I've moved away from copywriting completely and Amazon stuff. And now just completely just focus on content creation which is as, as silly as it sounds like just posting videos online, but there's, there's definitely more to it than that. Like we, I think maybe through Wolfpack adventures and the growth of all the other social platforms that's led to brands and companies be, wanting to put their, put their products in front of our audience and work with us. So do you think Wolfpack's the, the bedrock basically that's, that's where you can refer people to for, for, um, Social proof, I guess. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Wolfpack Adventures was mine and Amanda's way of documenting what we were doing. And I think for where I'm at right now, the content creation is almost like a, I I don't want to say a selfish thing, but it's not like a me and Amanda thing. It's just an Alex thing. Yeah. Uh, So it's mainly 
stuff that's on Instagram and and some of my own platforms, whereas Wolfpack Adventures has always been me and Amanda. So if somebody does want to partner with us and they want to be, be a part of Wolfpack Adventures, I'm sure that's like, that's like our collective thing. But some of the stuff I've been doing recently has just been brands want... Uh, they want access to the, the, the audience that we have, or the sure. audience that I've built, which is, which is just marketing and it's just business, isn't it really? But the, yeah, the Wolfpack Adventures, I would say is the bedrock of where it's all, this is where it's all come from. And it still is like, it's still like, it's not stopped. Like we've been quite busy this last six months. Amanda's been crazy into CrossFit. Like in this last couple of years, she's found like, as well as mountain biking, she is absolutely hooked on CrossFit. Yeah. Like, absolutely hooked. It's crazy to watch. It's really inspiring, actually. She's, she's, it, it, it is. So, yeah, it, it, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've, so I've known her since she started that. So that's, that's, so I've, I've known you guys maybe a couple of years, maybe, um, again, Amanda, um, more so. And I've seen that journey as well because she documents as well. And that, that, that dynamite at that from, you know, right, right now to, to whatever the conversation, like a conversation on the doorstep couple of years ago and i was dropping something off to her and she's like yeah you should come to crossfit at wherever it was i was like yeah yeah whatever yeah yeah i go once or twice a week when i can make it and now it's like check out my handstand walks and like <laughs> like strict pull-ups and stuff and like and she's a coach now and what have you yeah it, she's it, she's well. buzzing she's again she's she's someone who's just gone so deep down that rabbit hole of uh she loves seeing people progress she's just like yeah whether it's in herself she loves better in herself she loves like if she if she's struggling with something or she wants to get better at something and she knows that she can't fi- figure out herself, she'll go and find like the best person that she can, that she can pay to help her. So she'll mm. go and pay for a coach, she'll go and pay for a uh, mentor or whatever. She's working at the minute now with a gymnastic coach, like a, just because she knows she, gymnastics in CrossFit is a weakness of hers. She think it's quite cool. Like she's, honestly, God, like when she comes home from coaching, like if she's, if she's not coaching or she's not, eating or sleeping she's literally just watching youtube videos on how to (laughs) how to do something like always (laughs) that's that's incredible yeah because i I, it's um you know that i guess i i I, i've noticed just as a as a as a a follower that that the long form content is is not coming through as as much no and there's a lot more bite-sized stuff yeah um, which seems to be um seems to be doing better actually because you can you can do it more regularly as as well i guess i think times have changed a lot in the last few years especially now with short form content so you know short form content being something that's less than a minute long say a video sometimes even like 10 15 seconds long but usually watch instagram or tiktok or i don't know what you would call what all these platforms and it's just i guess people's attention spans now are so so short yeah i've kind of realized that like right you need to capitalize on that but i've almost trying to see, trying to see things as a funnel because the amount of reach you get and the amount of people that can see your short form content compared to long form is crazy so like how i'm thinking about it is if i use my short form content to bring people into our world like like almost like a funnel and then the longer form and the medium short form short content sorry the medium form and the long form content comes down the road so like a podcast or a longer form youtube video where you can build trust with someone or you, know, you can build a proper relationship with someone whereas the the short form stuff's just snippets of like just to grab people's attention that's all it's literally there for but some stuff goes like some stuff has gone absolutely crazy on there in terms of how many people you can put 
your, your stuff in front of a message in front of that's what again that's what I've, I've written about this in the newsletter like how if you think about how crazy the internet is it's 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 it's, it's borderline insane but it's like, science fiction isn't it it's, 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 it's like crazy. crazy like i mean think about 20 years ago like if you wanted to if you had a valuable message to share with someone you literally had what newspapers or handwritten letters and carrier pigeons like literally and even then the message would just be tr- like passed down one person at a time sure. until then it snowballed but now literally you can put a, a valuable message online whether that's you know whatever format it's in written video audio and it has the potential to be seen by hundreds thousands millions of people like it it's hard to put into words how how crazy the internet is and i i'm always fascinated with anything to do with the internet like i'm just fascinated with it it's 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 a it could, it's a weapon of mass destruction in some ways you know but yeah it, it's it's crazy when you think about it um I, I think um i think mark twain said a lie is around the world before the truth has got its trousers on yeah mm-hmm. and that's that that's that can be the internet as as, as well i mean you can use it for you can use it for good and bad, right? I mean, like it's it it just amplifies something that's whether it's a good message or a bad message, right? And and it, like like saying it's great, but it's also it, it's also can be detrimental at the same time in the fact that right. L- l- I mean, if we talk about like putting you putting yourself out in front of people, yeah. I mean, that's where you wanted to go with this conversation, wasn't it? Talking a bit about <laughs> that, like I mean, like you are. You, you, that was a seamless segue. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Killed my segue there. <laughs> but just keep talking. Just keep talking. <laughs> no one will notice. No one will notice. No one, nobody, nobody would have seen that. But yeah, it's it's brought us nicely into that. So yes, a, 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 a wee Mark Twain quote brought us brought us into it. Yeah. So continue. Yeah. So I mean, I, when I, when we first started, it's, it's actually quite embarrassing. Like when we when I first started sharing stuff online, if you if you, you know when you look back at things you shared like ten years ago, whether it's a video or whatever, Obviously photographs and stuff like that. I mean, you, nobody likes to look at their old self. Even videos, like if you look at like I've got some videos on my Facebook page of when I used to put out like content for helping people with personal training stuff, like advice and tips and whatever. And I, I literally watch it back now, and I, I and you know when you can see through someone's bullshit, and you, you can just tell someone isn't being authentic and they're not being transparent. You're right. like, oh my god, you, you've almost like it almost sounds scripted. Like you, you sure. it's ridiculous. Whereas now I'm a bit more like, I, I maybe I just give less. I don't really care as much. I mean, I still care about. I don't, I don't care as I don't care as much, but I also do care if that makes sense. Like, but. In that respect, I I don't have a, an agenda. I'm, I'm just trying. I try and be as authentic as yeah. I can through my writing as well. I always try and write like I would speak. So if anyone does meet me, then that is literally what they are going to expect. Sure. Um, but it's, it's it's scary looking back at the videos that I used to post and how unauthentic <laughs> I am, I was because I thought that's what you had to do. You had to try and put your you know round peg in someone's square box kind of analogy. Like sure. I. Yeah, but now I'm just like, you know what? I think people, more people resonate with just being who you are and just, I think people respect that as well. I, I worry about that a little bit as well. But, you know, um, 
I got a lot of feedback just saying, yeah, it's great. Listen to it. Like nobody, nobody's going, you're such a good interviewer or anything like that. It's just like, but nobody's, nobody's going here, Alan, maybe you should just like speak a little clearer and maybe drop some of that central belt accent. They're not, they're just going, quite enjoyed that. That was a good conversation. You know, I give more of a shit about the sound quality than I do about like how I kind of come across. Mm. But at the, at the same time, I'm kind of driving the conversation. So I, I need to be aware that I'm trying to pull on some threads or when somebody just goes, just just to let them go, mm. you know, um, ironically. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I get that. I think you, people can see through that kind of structured, but I, I don't have any notes. I couldn't make notes because, see, if I had notes, I'd sound like I had notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can 100%. Tell, yeah. 100%. People can spot bullshit a mile off. Like, they can just you can just tell straight away when something is scripted or something is not quite, like, transparent or anything. I... I yeah, you can just tell straight away. Do you remember when you looked? Did you did you see any sort of reactions to that that content? Would you call that content, or would you was that you just trying to be a personal trainer online, but it wasn't really yes. a, any kind of mission of? Yes, yeah, so that was me yeah. trying to be a personal trainer. I'm going to be this thing. This, yeah, this is what I, it should look like exactly. Yeah, that I thought like this is what personal trainers do. Personal trainers have to share their expertise online. They have to come across as like the person that knows what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly how it comes across. And I literally now put my hand on my face and I'm like, oh my God, like what? How could you even share that stuff? And and now I wouldn't even dream of sharing anything like that at, at all. But did people comment on it? Did people, can you remember? No, not at all. Like it it's was just out there just yeah, talking to yourself. You can go and watch it. It's on my Facebook. Like it's, it, but like nobody, nobody would leave negativity. No one, no one really cared to be honest with you. Like nobody really cared. Like I think, I still think actually sharing your, like putting yourself out there is still such a scary thing for a lot of people, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people don't never create stuff. I actually had a message the, the day off a friend of mine, a close friend who races mountain bikes. And he messaged me saying, I'm thinking of starting a vlog, uh, uh, like a, you know, a YouTube channel. And he was asking for some tips and stuff. And he was asking real simple questions like, you know, how do I upload in 4k or how do I upload in, you know, high quality? And I was a bit like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like just put it, like just, it literally doesn't matter. And, um, why did I bring this up? Because I've seen a lot of people come and go when it comes to starting stuff. And I think people have very different expectations of like, what's actually going to happen when you put yourself out there. Or why people don't why people don't even start in the first place actually, and it's the, that fear of being judged to start with, you know, like, oh my god, what are people going to say? Like, how how am I going to cope with this? Some people actually fear dying. Uh, people, sorry, some people actually fear being judged more than they fear actually dying. I've, I've read that somewhere. Like, I, I think that's probably. Or some, you know, I've probably butchered yeah. that. I've probably some, butchered on some it. level, that's probably. Like, well, when you're dead, you don't know you died, do you? But yeah. actually, you, you can live through the trauma of kind of being judged and and um, you know and 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 thinking that the person across the street thinks a certain way of you. you know, oh, on, of the, but the, people have the thing is, the thing I've actually realised over the last few years that literally, the thoughts that you have that other people have of you, they have they have their own shit going on. Like literally, they could not give a damn about your stupid videos and podcast. They literally don't care as, as, as bad as that sounds. Like I've, I, I don't think people care as much as people think other people do care at all. And that's what stops a lot of people starting to begin with. 
And so when, when sorry, and you go. Oh, go on, carry on. So when, when did when did you experience your first bit, of, your first sort of adverse sort of thing? The the thing, I mean, not a specific post or something. Can you remember the sort of the, the time or the circumstance, or even the specificity of that kind of stuff? Um, I can't actually remember it. I've had I've had some negative feedback on things I've shared in the past, and. A lot of the things, if you if I look back, people have tried to give me what they would class as constructive criticism, whereas in fact it just comes across as someone is nitpicking at the most tiniest details. Like if you go and read my newsletter or my emails, it's not perfectly written English and it's not supposed to be. It's just how how I would speak. But people, it's almost like the human but the human being is wired to find faults and wired to find fears and things that might go wrong. So they'll pick up the fact you've missed a comma out or you've missed this out, you missed a full stop out. And I've had feedback before on real bitty things like that. And it does, it makes me question things a lot. Like, why is someone bothered about <laughs> that? Like, why is the big, the bigger picture thinking of this? Um, I've had, I have had some negative, I can't remember like when the first bit of negative hate or feedback was that I've had. But a lot of the stuff has come like from, what would you what would you call it? Uh, what would you call it? I'm just racking my brains now. Give an example. We'll we'll give it a name. <laughs> um, I, the, the 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 things I've had before usually come down to a few things, and it's usually one: it's jealousy, like jealousy or insecurity, and. That's that's just what I see when someone comments on my stuff in a in a bad light or sends me a, a direct message to tell me something that is like not a very nice thing. Like so when someone actually goes out their own way to almost tear your building down is a better sense. Sure. The, all I can all I can think of now is instead of getting angry at that person, and I'm still I'm still a long way off like like being the best person to manage my emotions, but I actually sit and question things and think, hmm. I wonder what's going on in that person's life for them to comment like this at, at, at what I've done here. Unless, you know, if it, it, I've done I've done bad things in the past where, you know, maybe it is right that someone has called me out on it. But if I've done seemingly nothing wrong and then somebody like tries to tear my building down, I'm actually thinking, hmm, what, like, what is actually going on in that person's life for them to make them think like that? And, it's, and, and that's all I can, a lot of the times it comes down to, in, from my opinion, like, uh, either jealousy or uh, insecurity. Um, Comparison. Yeah. Compar- comparisons are, it's, it's such an evil thing. It, well, is it evil? I don't know. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say evil, but I know where you're going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, like, because me, me and Amanda have, have these conversations quite a lot. Because she, she uses comparison as a, I don't know if she uses comparison in a good way. Like, I, well, I don't think it's a good way or a bad way, but she looks at other people who are around her in, say, CrossFit, and she, you know, the people she sees as competition, say, she'll she'll look at them and think, like, how can I get as good as them, or or vice versa? Like, how can I get better at by comparing yourself to somebody else, kind of thing? And I don't know if that is a good thing or not. Like, um, maybe it can be used as a, a positive thing. It, it can be. Um, I think um, 
there's a phrase that goes around um, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. Don't know if you've heard that. I've heard that, yeah. So if you're, um, and I think that's linked to something that I actually, when I actually coach, I say there's a difference between inspiration and aspiration. Mm, okay, that's so, interesting. So if you, um, so I'm, I'm a mountain bike um, coach for those who don't know. So um, I could demonstrate something or do something well within a learning environment, which is inspiring. So people can look at that and I can give them a roadmap to, to be able to do that. And it's good to inspire and good for people to be inspired. But those people shouldn't necessarily aspire to be like me or to achieve that thing with too much veracity mm. because then they may fail or they may get hurt. You know, so if you're going to do some technical, and, and this, this goes for anything, I think, um, if, 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 a, a, an end, if an end product or an end um, skill needs a road to be attained. Being inspired is great, but immediately aspiring with the wrong sort of motivation mm. and perhaps comparison falls in there somewhere because you can still be aspired. That person can go, I really want to do that thing. But if they have that sort of toxic comparison mm. where they can just, you know, and I, 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 I kind of drop, I, you kind of lose it there in my world. But if they're looking at you and going, look at this guy in uh, Bali, Mm. you know um doing this thing and doing that thing and 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 you know it's like where's where's my bali what's this asshole mm. and his girlfriend up to you know running around doing this kind of thing and mm. that i think that that toxic aspiration that somebody you know they're not dedicated to the journey they don't know how to start i mean you just talked about starting an amazon business and doing that i mean you've worked for what you have and you're in, mm. you're incredibly focused and incredibly hard working pair actually you know so i i I wonder, I wonder if it's all mixed up in that a, a wee bit. Maybe I, I don't. I don't think people. Like I, I'm quite. I'm quite. I don't really share too much about what goes on unless somebody sees something online or I have a conversation like this about someone. There isn't. There's a lot of people that don't actually know what I actually do. They just like, for example, when I was back copywriting, the amount of questions I got from people are like, people saying like, "What do you actually do?" Like, I literally just see you sat in coffee shops. Like, what do you actually do? <laughs> And I almost quite, I secretly quite liked people not yeah. knowing. I was like, oh yeah. There was actually a funny joke going around. There's a, there's a guy, Farmer John, shout out to Farmer John, who has a, a mountain bike park and he's, he's, uh, he built a, a mountain bike park. Literally. The original mountain yeah, bike yeah. park almost. Yeah. And he, he is such a good friend of mine. And he, uh, the mountain bike park is literally two minutes away from my parents' house. And he made it, he's set up a running joke with all the people around near him that like, I just sell sex toys online. And we have all these little funny innuendos. <laughs> and it's so funny. And it, <laughs> it's so funny. And that's all he ever He was always, every time he sees me, he's like, how's the, how's the sales going? It's <laughs> so funny. Um, which isn't, like, I don't actually sell sex toys at all, by the way. <laughs> that's just your rabbits and your drops. <laughs> no, I smell the most. Thousand rampant rabbits at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I sell the most boring products on Amazon. You're not even interested in them at all. They're nothing fancy. What example of a product I used to sell was a microwave wall bracket. So yeah, very far from what we just yeah, talked about. People need to hang their microwaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might as well be you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's um, a, lot, a lot of microwaves out there. But yeah, what were we talking about then? So I was talking about Farmer John's and yeah. um, what was the, I don't even know what the question well, was. Well, we were, we, were, we were talking about why people react in, set, in certain ways, whether it's jealousy, it's mm. like a lack of, um, you know, lack of understanding of, of um, you know, um, the, the, the road people have gone to do the, the, the lack of understanding as we've recently thought uh, um, seen with um, our 
friend I mentioned earlier is 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 they don't have the information. They don't have the you know they don't know why you're doing yeah. or why one is doing something. Yeah. So that toxic sort of attitude. I, I I don't think it's not everybody. You know, it's a special kind of person that actually personal messages mm. somebody. I mean, Jamie was talking about somebody that messaged him and he said, shit video, shit music, stupid name. <laughs> and it's like, you're messaging me. Like, you know, I'm going to read it and you can see and read it. Why? Yeah. I, I, this is, again, this is one of them scenarios where like I would, I would, I wouldn't read into something like that, but I would almost like no. question it. Like why, what has led somebody, like what is going on in somebody's life for them to want to message me that? Like, I actually don't have time to go out and message people negative stuff. I literally no. don't have time. I don't know where people have the time to do it. I don't have time to do it. Yeah. I, the amount of, it doesn't just take two minutes to write a message. And it actually takes so much longer to write a, a message to someone if you have to think about it. Because it probably, you probably spend, like you probably festers with you for hours. And that's just energy you could have spent elsewhere. Sure. Which is how I think about it. So I, I don't, I, I literally don't have any any time for it that's what i was saying about post and ghost yeah like i just it, it is what it is I, I don't understand like twitter spats and you know youtube beefs and all this kind of stuff that goes around i think um, i mean i've started to you know I've, i barely use facebook anymore but i've started to type like a like a positive conversational thing on facebook and maybe a a page that i'm engaged with like a formula one page or something like that you know and i get i, I put it all together and i go fuck i might have to respond to this <laughs> You know, there's nothing controversial in it whatsoever. It's like, ah, shit. And I just, I'll, I'll, I'll walk away from it. And I've, I've literally wasted five minutes of my life constructing a perfect, reasonable, conversational argument with a small A, you know, about why, you know, such and such happened. And, and, and I get to the end, I'm like, I'm no hit and send on this, but I've got to, yeah. you know, it's like, like right, almost like writing a letter to yourself. It's like, I've got it off my chest. I'll just, yeah, yeah. you know, and now I don't need to go back to it. And actually that that's my attitude on mm. Facebook now. Is, and I'm doing that less and less and less now. Mm. I, I actually, I, <laughs> sorry to run away with this, I, I actually wrote a couple of blogs about um, toxic ownership of the outdoors, um, I think last year. And I see quite a lot of that. So um, I know a lot of mountain bike content creators, obviously. It's just the, 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 the circles I, I move in. And um, the trails... You know, um, it happens with bothies, it happens in the outdoor, it happens with skiers and snowboarders and stuff like that. And I'll get to them eventually sometime this year. Um, but that t there's people that have toxic ownership um, of, of things. And I know you've came in for a, a bit of shit like Jamie, Jamie has and countless other people about, um, you know, going up and putting content out where, where a hundred other people oh, yeah. have ridden yeah. that day. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then we get to then we get to the the um, you know that that sort of then it's going as far as to tag you and stuff and and they're sort of almost they're using you to create content for yeah. whatever reason you know it, it baffles me I um I mean I used to, there would be a point years ago where it would literally it would upset me it would be the point where it would actually upset me because I'd just be questioning myself like what have I actually done wrong I, I've I've gone out here with good intentions to do this. I've not gone out of my way to hurt anyone or anything like that. But now again, I'm, I'm, it doesn't bother me as much now. I, I, I just come back to that same point again. I'm just asking questions of like, okay, um, why has someone done that? And, it, you know, no mar no market marketing, good or bad, is still marketing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, 
I don't, I don't understand the, yeah, I don't understand the toxic ownership stuff. I, it's going to be a question that's on my mind for a, a while. I don't really understand it. I mean, I, I understand, I can understand the, like the side of the, I can understand both sides of the story or why someone may get angry at, you know, me or some other content creator, whether it's, it, I don't even know if it ha- it must happen in other sports. It can't just be mountain biking. It does. It, it does. happens I, in I've every kind of sport. It. it must do. Uh, same with you, you're talking about the bovies before. Yeah. Same thing. Um, and I can, I can quite easily understand why people, someone would get upset or like yeah, sure. angry or frustrated. Um, but like, say for example, I'm just going to take a mountain bike trail as an example. If I knew somebody was digging a mountain bike trail in the local area or anywhere, and I, it was quite clearly obvious that someone was putting in like countless hours into digging this, like, what essentially is a work of art. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way on hell I would go and just ride that like at all. Like if, if, if you could clearly see someone was, it was a work in progress, I wouldn't even go near it. Cause I, I have a lot of respect for stuff like that. And, but when it comes to the point where you're on a, like a public place and you know, trails are getting ridden all the time. Like who, who like, who calls the shot and who says it's okay to post a piece of content on a track or a trail is there like a red carpet that gets rolled out or does does someone who is recognized in a certain area have to go down the track first and get a video of it and then it's okay for everyone else to post <laughs> yeah, a video yeah. of it and Valid. i've had i mean i'm quite open on this and there's a video on my channel about this i'm i've had problems before at races with with content and cameras and stuff i watched that again today actually oh, you did yeah. yeah so that was for anyone like listening there was a bit of confrontation and uh, a, a an international mountain bike race we had last year here. And it, it basically all came down to the fact there was no clear rules. And it was almost like there was a set of rules for some people. And then it was different for everybody else. And it didn't really go down very well with me. And I felt like I got attacked by people at race, people who were organizing the race or like marshalling it or whatever. And it, it sparked this whole conversation and idea of like, what, what, like, why does this have to be? Um, and it still is like, I, I'm still, I always, I always question, like if I post a piece of, um, content on a track or a, a certain location, like I always, do, I actually do think about like, right, if I post this, what are the potential implications are going to happen here? Cause like when, as you get a bigger and bigger audience, I don't, I don't really understand if people know like what an audience does or what an audience is. Cause I, th- I feel that people just see that number. Like let's just take Instagram, for example, like 50,000 people, wherever, it, whatever the audience size is now. And I mean, how, how big is that? Is that like a football stadium size? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's totally intangible. There's a lot of people. So I don't know if people's logic is like, right, if if a piece of content gets posted, then 50,000 people are all going to flock this one track like the next day. Because <laughs> I, I don't think that's actually going to happen at all. Like I, I usually get a few questions or people asking things and commenting. But like, it, I mean, if you go back to that same track, like the next day or so, you'll hear conflicting ideas of like, oh yeah, we just want people to go and ride the track anyway to, to get it running in and stuff. So then I'm thinking, well, why does it matter if I post a video on it? Like it makes no, it makes no sense to me. Like nothing makes any sense. Um, and I, again, I'm sure this happens or something similar happens in other sports as well. It's not, I don't think it's just mountain biking. Um, like you said, like the, the bobby thing's a funny one. Like you can, you can go like for mountain biking, you can go on Strava, you can go on uh, trailforks.com yeah. and you can literally see a map of every single trail on the public hill that you can go and ride. 
I think tra- trail trail forks did for it like before the the sort of rise of your you know your Andy McAvoy's and mm. your street pigeons and and, and you, you guys and what have you that that was it was there and available on on your phone you didn't have to watch like yeah. a twenty seven minute edit um I think I think you're right I think um the the other thing is that's where your audience is working against you and you have I think it's cool to attack somebody that's um in the public. For sure, a wee bit rather yeah. than that. Not not that you would ever know about it in mm. the private message, but posting it on the YouTube comments mm. and what have you. You know, there's that little you know that evolutionary sort of thing that that sort of shot of adrenaline, that that validation sort of thing that we all need. But I I I did a search for one the other day when I was thinking about talking to you, and um, so I'll not mention the trail, but it was a recently built trail. Um, everybody's loving it, and you did a bit down it. So um, you're probably right up there with the top three or four content creators subscribers that have ridden it you know how many videos for that trail does they're online by like just mates out riding their bike that have got 97 views after two months there's fucking dozens i, of bet, them. I bet there is dozens of them i remember i i i stopped recording stuff we we um i think that I did that blue dune thing a couple mm. of years ago but when we had gopro fours and fives um I went up my pals and they said, you're going to video spooky woods and i turned to him and he goes that's what we need online isn't it another video of spooky woods and i was like I'm never doing this again because I realized how kind of without the audience and without the potential for, you know, like you say, making a living or um, documenting progress. It literally, I was going, what the fuck am I doing this for? <laughs> it's like six people. We're all going to get home. I'm going to upload it. All my mates are going to go, you uploaded that video yet? And they're going to watch me going down with no stabilization. Like that GoPro rattle that used to go in <laughs> all the way down the trail. And I thought, what's the point? And that was the beginning and the end of my sort of, aspirations so there's it's not just you as the we, other just add to that we when we first started wolfpack adventures going back um four or five years me and amanda went out riding near my parents house in the peak district and we went to go and make a video um on a, on a bit of hill and we posted this video online and it, it got it got a lot of traction but it also got a lot of attention and we didn't know at the time, but we'd made this video on a bit of this hill that was, you know, apparently it was, it was like, um, quite sensitive to, you know, walkers and mountain bikers, that whole thing. And we got absolutely attacked online. Like Amanda more so than me. And there was, there was a, like a, I can't remember the name of the, there was like a committee of mountain bikers that came after Amanda and, and they were, they were, copy and pasting these massive chunks of text on all her profiles and it, it and send her direct messages. And it was a, it was a bit like, it was really invasive. And in the end, uh, I don't think, I don't, can't remember if we took the video down or not, or just turned the comments off completely and said, look, like this is, this is madness. And what annoyed me about something like that was the week previous or the week, week after a week previous, around the same time, there was another video that was published on the same bit of hill as me and amanda had posted from a a group of riders who are fairly well known in the uk like really well known and no backlash or it looked like no backlash at all so again that kind of frustrated me to the fact that like well why do why do we get attacked and yet someone with bigger profiles don't get attacked which is what this whole video at the ews race was made for because I, i was so frustrated with why is there not a set clear rule for every single person that everyone can understand and know 
And it's the same with what happened in the past few weeks with um, the trail around here. Like I, I saw with my own eyes on social media, other people posting videos on that track. So then I was a bit like, okay. So as soon as I post something, I get absolutely attacked. So I, you know, I was a bit like, okay, I'll take that video down. I'm sorry. Um, sorry I've upset someone. Okay. But then just kind of, just, it just still baffles me. Like I don't understand who, because it's all public. It's all, no one has the right to, to say whether somebody, the, the only the only right somebody has, I guess, is like I was going back to that, you know, the trail digger thing. So like, so if somebody digs a trail, then there's there's definitely a, there's definitely room for like etiquette there of like right, this person has sure yeah. has put in all this graft, like so you must respect that. And I I I I can't even I I do respect that a lot. Um, but when you see the same track plastered all over social media before you've even written it or posted about it. It's a bit like, well, why is, what, like, what, you know. But then it also, I don't know if it damages other people as well. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if people would see what happened in my instance and then would would be scared to share anything on around that area again or, like, want to share anything in, in, in the Tweed Valley. It's a funny place, Tweed Valley, in the fact that it, it is a, it is one of the most popular places to ride a bike in the UK, right? Like people literally flock from all over the country to come ride it. It's crazy when you think about it. And I don't, I don't know what the actual goal is of the Tweed Valley. I mean, do people want people to come here? Like, as in like, do they want to make it the mountain bike mecca of everywhere? Because I, I, I would think that would be a positive thing. I had a conversation with Jamie um, after CrossFit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the other morning. <laughs> and... Um, I, uh, you know, he he was, uh, you know, was just chatting like we do about the, the latest um, things. And um, I actually said to him that you have to recognize your place actually in the the culture to the positive contribution mm. to the culture of, firstly, I mean, he hardly does anything in the Tweed Valley. It's his Sunday rides if it's the Tweed Valley. He, he, he goes uh, elsewhere now because he's, he's kind of done it all and, you know, um, but um, I said, you have to realize your contribution to the culture of mountain biking. Um, because if you have a good, you know, because an audience isn't reach. Reach is reach. If you have a good reach and people are looking to ride trails and they've got to come here. So you can look at it one way or, or one way in the negative or you can be pragmatic about it. It's like this person's come here and they're going to fuck up my trail or our trails or that, that trail, mm. one's trail. Or you can look at it and say, well, they're going to come here. They're going to just be they're going to contribute to what is normal erosion from people coming here and they're maybe going to stay overnight and they're maybe going to go and get a lesson and they're maybe going to go and stay at the pub and and, and have a and you know and, and do all the things that the non-biking or the the other um, parts of the community want and some people will be shaking their heads and sighing at this right right now but i'm telling you that is the thing mm. yeah like historic scotland and and visit scotland and all these with the best of intention there everybody that wants to bring people to scotland mountain biking has got such a low budget and needs such a broad brush that they need the 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 the, the contribution of quote-unquote amateur sort of um content creators and stuff like that to 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 do it Mm. and i don't think it should be underestimated Mm. That's that's my kind of you know it's not the end of my thoughts yeah but but I think I think it's legitimate a hundred percent legitimate like I, I, I again I don't I don't want this podcast to be like it's not just I sh- it surely can't just be the Tweed Valley or anything like that. it must be 
like a, a global thing with with any any sport where there is like a passion in a certain com- like condensed area. So like I, I I can imagine the same thing happens if you go to places like Vancouver or Whistler or anything like that where it is very popular and very world renowned. They must have like some areas that people feel very protected over for the trails that they've dug, the hard work they've put in, and things like that. I can I can imagine it's the same around the world. It is. Um, so I, I, I very rarely go off on on any sort of mission without doing a bit of research. Yeah. Like, you know, this isn't like the, the news. Um, I use the Tweed Valley as an example because I live here and it's where I ride and the friend, my friends my friends live here. But it's by no means um, toxic or um, unique. Um, yeah. So it's funny you bring Canada up because I, I went to a couple of cycling forums. I've been on some pink bike things and what have you. And, and there is there are pages and reams and stacks yeah. of threads about you know na- just practically naming people yeah about, about you know doing stuff like that so it's um i think some of it's valid as mm. as you as, as as you recognize and it would be silly to sit here and think that that, that um, everybody that was right thought they were right were, were right um but um there is an element of selective outrage um hypocrisy um and just uh, just non or ill thinking mm. um on, on on everybody's part i i guess and um i think what it, what it's doing is it's 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 creating a conversation that we probably really shouldn't shouldn't be having we should be all getting a wee, along just a wee bit better because i think um with um with somebody like you i don't i'm i'm in awe of 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 your 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 journey and and what you've you know what you've made for yourself as and and you know it's it's you know i'm sure whatever you do next you just build on that um but it must take a toll because all all of that funneling in to one inbox or one channel it, there must there must be times when you've just went oh, fuck it just i'll move on to some something else because you seem to be able to do that as focused as you are you seem to be able to pick something up and drop it mm. as, as, as finished or at least put to, put to the side i it's funny you bring up that whole like funnel into notifications and inbox and stuff. I've turned all my notifications off on everything now on my phone. Like I, really? I don't have any notifications on, nothing. Because it just got too overwhelming. Like if you have all these social media apps, messenger, emails, and it's all pinging you, like it's liberating turning them off. Like if you turn it off for a week, just see what happens. Like your, your mind is free to think about other things. And you're only, you only check your message when you choose to check them rather than Oh, oh, my phone's vibrating. I need to check it. I need to check it. I need to check it. And to me, that's been really liberating because I don't know what it's like for other people. Like I have a fairly big audience and 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 reach, as you would call it, online. But there's people out there with like 10, 15, 20 times, you know, bigger reach than me that I know. And I always look at them and think, how do they deal with it? Like if they, if, because um, there's, there's people in the mountain bike space I follow who have had like hate for doing things and been called out for certain things for posting specific types of content in specific places. And I, I've, I've been one of them people who, who trolls through comments wondering like, how does, how does this person deal with all this stuff? Like always, um, I don't do it anymore, but I've done it in the past and I've, oh my God, like it's crazy. So I've, yeah, I've turned all my notifications off. I found that helps me a lot. Uh, maybe my own mental state. Um, cause I, you know, it's funny because as, extroverted as I I may come across now like doing all these videos and this and putting myself out there I'm actually a very introverted person 
if you ask Amanda, ask a lot of people, there's some times where I will literally just zone out and be like, I don't want to be around people. I want to be on my own. And I, I, I'm quite comfortable in my own presence. Like in my, just on my own. And I think I, I you, you, you were in the gym the other night, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So we did the CrossFit open the other night and the, and the other night was the third and final workout of this thing. And for the past three weeks, we've been going to the gym as a big group of people and you basically get judged by people and like in front, front like a, you have a judge and you do a workout and you get timed and whatever. And I walked into the, on Friday to do this workout and there was 20 or 30 people there yeah. watching. And straight away, as soon as I walked in the gym, my brain just literally was like, nope, we're not doing the workout today. I, I can't do it. And it was because there was a certain movement in that workout, uh, double unders with skipping rope. And because I know I struggle with them, at the minute, I can do on a good day maybe five or ten in a row, which is on, that's an amazing achievement for me. But I had this fear that I would literally be stood in front of twenty or thirty people trying to do these double unders and just failing miserably, and they would be trying to cheer me on and be like, "Oh God, Alex, go on, yeah. you can do it!" And then yeah. in my head, I'd just be getting even more frustrated and more frustrated, and like, I can't do this. It was funny actually when I was I went to go and do the workout a day later when it was quiet. Me and Amanda went into the gym. And I was practicing double unders before the workout. And I got so frustrated with, with the skipping. I threw my skipping rope on the floor <laughs> and the skipping rope whipped me in the face. And it was the most, it was the ultimate karma. I had this massive red whip mark across my face. <laughs> I, I didn't tell anyone that, but it was so funny because it was like, oh. this is karma for you, Alex. Yeah. But, uh, but when I went into the gym, I was literally the most, um, I, I, I was, I don't know if insecure, probably insecurity was the biggest thing. I was like, I can't do this. Which is which is really unnatural, but I recognised it and was like, "This isn't right for me. I can't do this." So I literally everyone went to the pub afterwards, and I just went home. I was like, "Yeah, I was wondering where you were." Yeah, I I went home just because I it wasn't because I was upset or anything. I just literally decided like I I would just want to be alone for a bit. It's funny, isn't it? How that's analogous to those 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 YouTube comments or something like that, where the vast amount of people are, are cheering cheering you on. Yeah. Uh, regardless whether you know they know you can fail it's it's potential that you'll struggle or fail it doesn't matter what it is um same with the youtube it's like they know that 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 they're not they're the majority but there will be people that don't like such and such but it it doesn't always affect what you do it's like if we all stand here and cheer let them know that it's okay to fail then it's okay to fail, right? And you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. If we po if we comment positively, what we'll do is we'll outweigh the pe the decks, and that will make them feel better, right? And you're like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On you go. But for some people, it works the opposite. Like, um, like Amanda in those workouts, she wanted people to cheer her on. She wanted people to scream at. Her. She wanted people to literally shout at her and tell her to pick the barbell up when she was like feeling like she was going to die because she was obsessed with like getting a better <laughs> score and just bettering herself. Whereas for me, like I would have almost just taken it the wrong way and just stopped and just been like, I'm just going to drop the barbell and we we'll do it another time. Right. We're back. We had to stop your phone call there. So, uh, yeah. So, um, Amanda likes people screaming at her from motivation. <laughs> yeah. So we were just talking about different ways. Like she, she would, she would never have walked into the gym like that. And, uh, and had the same reaction as I did just to want to, 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 to not do the work or anything. Um, I don't think anyway, maybe she would say something different. I'm not sure. But at that time I was like, nah, I'm, I'm too insecure to do this now. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I feel I, I, um, I'm, I'm by no means a quitter. 
but I find it I I I um I I believe this is a quality of mine. Right, it, it makes me quite fractal, uh, but it, it's a quality of mine. I've always known when to stop. Mm. So, like I said with the racing earlier, I've never been kind of like, yes, bring the mountain to me kind of thing. Um, you know, when when I was younger, I, I I hung a lot around with a lot of people that did recreational drugs, lots of them, yeah. and, and I did lots of them as well, and a lot of them went to the needle, and I never did because I always knew I, I I'd be like, I'm uh, yeah, I'm not doing that because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, I mean, all my brain says, well, I couldn't get addicted or I could, you know, I, because I, I, I would just overcome it. And then the, the proper part of my brain would go, no, you don't know that. Yeah. They would, you know, I, I, I'm really exposing myself here. Car thieves never got on a stolen car. You know, all my mates did, you know, I just, I, I just, I've always, you know, so that actually taught me quite a lot when I was younger. I was always on the edge of just fucking it up so badly. Mm. And I've actually carried that, that bit where it's okay to say, do you know what? To hell with it! I'm just going to park it and 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 get and get rid of it. But what it's done is it's kind of stunted my sort of that uh, that the Amanda in me, where if people scream at me enough, you know, we'll outweigh the comments again. We'll mm. cheer him on, make sure he knows it's okay to fail. I'd just be like, eh, for most things, I'm like, I just not do it. <laughs> and they go, oh well, that you're you're, you're well, you know, you're not giving yourself a chance. I'm like, don't want a chance. I'm done with it. I'm, you know. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all yeah. in the slightest. But then I would come back like the next day or the following day when, it, when I was feeling in a better mental state or it was a bit quieter and it was fine. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. I remember being on my best ever Glentress 7 once. I was like, there was like an hour and something left and I had like six laps. I was like, I feel great. And then so this, this like tiny little girl came past me on like, like a 26 inch specialized epic i'll never forget the bike like you know like her, her mum or her dad's old like amazing bike from like 2006 and she was rocketing past me on the climb and she clipped me and knocked me over and i fell over and i hit my ankle and i rode for like 10 and i thought i'm okay but i thought fuck this i'm go- I'm, I'm i'm done with this and i got i, I went there got in the van went back home and andy called me at half past four or half past five whatever it was goes I did eight laps. Where are you? I says, I'm sitting like watching, I don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've been home for an hour and a half. He's like, what? And I, j- I was okay with it. I'm like, yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's horses for courses, isn't it? I I, um, I don't like things affect me like like, like I used to. I'm, I'm the same, exactly the same with uh, a lot of stuff. Like, I, I used, do you know what? One thing that used to turn me off racing and I used to always... I used to always let my, like the first or second practice run of a race, I would always, that would dictate how my weekend would go off the first or second time of riding a track or practicing track. Because if it went bad and I felt I didn't feel good on the bike, that would, that would literally carry through to the whole, through the whole weekend. Now though, like, sorry, when, when I, when I understood that, kind of learned that, right, okay, the, don't let, don't let the first practice run dictate your weekend just build on that always accept the first one is going to be crap and then build from that but then that kind of turned into this mentality of like uh, i don't know if you would call it humbleness or not but i'm fine with walking away from things i'm completely fine with it if like i said before about big doing big features and stuff like that if i am not 100 percent feeling something i'm i'm more than happy to walk away from things Um, i think it's a skill it is a skill in itself in anything, I think if, if something isn't quite right, and it, 
I think it's a skill to walk away for sure. So again, so people who listen to this know that they've heard this from me a million times. It's a quote from an old Robert De Niro movie, actually. Um, and I use it all the time in leadership and, and, and when we're um, trying stuff out in the trail. Wherever there's a doubt, there is no doubt. True. Yeah, yeah. You know? So that works for think again or forget it. Yeah. You know, but never go in. If if you if you're saying that to you in your head, never go in like half cocked, if you like. Yeah. You know? So if you've got doubt in your mind, there's obviously something going on. So there's no doubt that there's something going on. So mm. you need you, you need to either reevaluate and what have you. Mm. You know? It's and, and we're back to that thought process again, which mm. is which is really, really valuable valuable. And um, you know, I, I I used to be I used to be terrible about like kind of kind of not not about failing because I've always been okay with walking away with things. It's the perception of failure. Oh yeah, and it's just I think that's just a human thing. I don't even think that's me. I think that's that's everybody from mo- most people. Even if you can do that thing that we were just talking about, most people would have the added pressure of people seeing that happen. Oh and yeah, that's what bothered me. See, that doesn't bother me. It used to, mm. um, but over the last couple of years, I've, I've felt like it like it does like it doesn't anymore. Building in public has been a big thing for me for that. Uh, so I don't know if that builds resilience or something, but again, sharing stuff with other people on the internet. Uh, I don't know if that almost builds a wall up as well in the fact that like you you, you you go so far down that rabbit hole of building in public. I wonder if there's something inside your brain that's like, Christ, I can't, I can't let these people down now. So I can't fail. But then... Then then some of you is all, then some of me is almost like, do you know what? I I could quite easily walk away from all the stuff I've built, um, with. I wouldn't say regret, but I could still, I could walk away from things that I've done in the past, and and be completely fine with it. Like okay, cool. Now let's move on to the next chapter. I guess it depends what you're giving them. Um, with the greatest respect, what you what you're doing is not life changing. No, for anybody, at all, not at all. You know, it, it could be um, described as like recreational, which mm. I think well, I think it is recreational. I don't think it's, I don't think that's offensive to you. I, I, well, you can tell me. Um, you know, it, it just, but th- that weird feeling of obligation mm. is, is 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 strange. Um, I I I have I have a story about that that almost ruined somebody's. Like I'm not I'm not going to mention it. The, it. the situation is way too specific, but this person. So I, I, th- this person could not walk away from what he thought was an obligation to people, um, ethically, partially financially, um, fr- from a from a venture. And there, and there was no reason, practically, or actually financially, and why he couldn't do it. There was no reason that anybody would have turned around and said, um that's a terrible thing you've done. Mm. But ethically, thought I have an obligation to these people. I know this sounds really, really sort of, mm. you know, silly because I'm not given context, but he didn't. And he actually paid for that quite, quite, quite a lot, financially, reputationally, with other people that he didn't think he was obliged yeah. to. And um, yeah, it, it, it actually had really bad ripples and I actually learned a lot from that as well, where I always used the, the, um, the term, you know, when when I, when you would talk about bad press or something, it's tomorrow's chip paper. Mm. When you used to get your chips in yesterday's paper, it's like everybody read the paper and go, "Oh my goodness!" And then the next person would get their chips in it the next day, and it was <laughs> it was the thing that held their chips, you know. Um, 
and I, I, I think scaling your obligations, you know, into um, into things that actually will matter down the road to to people, mm. with your reputation or the retention of your audience or your the retention of your reach, um, you know, is 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 really really important. I'm trying. I, I, many people probably won't have noticed this or not, but I, I feel in the last year or two, there's definitely been a switch in the way I approach creating content. Like there's a very methodical way of doing it now in the fact that I, I do love to, I, I, I like the idea of teaching people or sharing my knowledge in a way that would help someone else. So sometimes, yeah, you know, I'm sharing these short little videos to get attention, to get reached, to grow my followers, blah, blah, blah. But there's a much bigger reason behind it all because I would like to take those people or a selection of those people to say an email list or somewhere off social media in like and teach them stuff and show them like for anyone who wants to, to learn more about like, I don't know, building an audience or creating content as a, an actual lifestyle, a way of living kind of thing. I would like, I must like try and create content now. This is where the whole idea of the newsletter came about actually it's basically scratching my own itch. So it was almost trying to, it was almost trying to, it's <laughs> some catharsis going yeah. on. But it was almost like trying to help, help, help people that were like a few steps behind I was. And it was basically my way of sharing advice that would have helped me, previous me, a few steps behind me. It's like, what would I, what information would I wish I had back then? And that's kind of like what I've been trying to share. So if there are people that are, interested or like would you know want to follow me on a deeper path and that that's kind of like the way i would like to go and obviously there's, there's going to be a large proportion of people that just follow me just because of cool content and they don't want to take it any further which is understandable completely fine but i know there's a lot of people asking questions of like how do you actually build this lifestyle how how do you get to that point how do you do this and then i'm like okay well maybe i can start creating things to help pe- selection of people do that or so what yeah. so what what do you think about uh, about the longevity of that now? I think I think you're entrepreneurial enough, mm. um, individually enough, and and as a team, where if you needed to change, as a team or individually, and did that, let, 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 that you'll just you'll just do that. Um, I think even anybody just listening to this um, will get that already. But as somebody, I'm not talking about myself here. As somebody with aspirations. Aspirations, aspirations, right? To some, to to one you have inspired <laughs> and now aspires to uh, to be like you, uh, quote marks or um, like something similar. Do you do you think it's a thing anymore? So you, so you can use that platform and and yep. y- your your guys' entrepreneurial spirit and the, the launch pad and your reputation and the people you know in the the main sort of sector that you operate in. To you, you're you're there essentially. You can kind of lily pad across mm. the things. Do you do you think it's an aspirational model now for for just general Joe? Mm-hmm. I, I, I do you know I'm this could be another podcast in itself. Maybe it's just something well, we can talk about. I don't know, but <laughs> like I I'm so passionate about talking about that this topic in particular because this is something I learned from that guy I talked about earlier, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he is obsessed about uh, doing something that you love, like as in. Like, like you can, you can literally make a lifestyle business or a living as, as such, literally doing something so ridiculous as like making one of the examples he's used I've heard before, like you, you can literally make a living, say making a blog and talking about Smurfs. 
or they, Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're talking about yeah, like, <laughs> this is what I was saying about the power of the internet is it's crazy. And no matter how silly or unique you think your idea or passions are, there are going to be other people that like that sort of stuff. Sure. And the way that content is going now in the fact that like it's the most valuable thing ever. Like we're sat in a bloody podcast, for God's sake. Like, um, I like, know what you know I mean? like, like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like just information, uh, content is the, is the, the biggest thing, literally the biggest thing. It's not going anywhere. And anyone who is aspiring to, <laughs> to <laughs> we have to say inspire or inspire. aspire with hard first letters now, just to make my point. I, you know, like, um, I, it all comes down to some, what, what what somebody wants. I mean, if somebody tells themselves it's not possible, or maybe that the people uh, now it's, it's I've passed that boat, and it's not it's not for me, or it's not going to work for me, then you, I think you probably already made your mind up. But I, I personally think anybody can to do what I, I don't. I don't like sounding like I'm sat on some pedestal because I'm not at all. I'm just literally. I'm 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 nothing special at all. I don't like I don't like coming across like that. This is the introvert coming out of me. I'm <laughs> I'm just Alex. Like I just post stuff online and uh, share some hope things that hope these people find valuable. Or some people do. Anyone can do that. Anyone ha- and like I just love I love just sharing things I'm, I'm passionate about. And if I'm passionate about something, I don't get bored of it. And if I don't get bored of it, I can post about it forever. <laughs> and if, and if yeah. that happens, then I'm sure there'll be some people that are like similar mindset to me. I'm hundred percent sure of it, and anyone anyone can be in the same boat. Like anyone, I'm I'm just like yeah, I just love it. I love this stuff. Cool. <laughs> I reckon that's a good, positive, pragmatic way to end. Yeah, yeah. For sure. We can maybe do this again actually, with that other stuff. But that's a, that's a great way to end. So um, I'm almost terrified to ask because you keep saying platforms, platforms, platforms. Where can people find you? Uh, well. I guess probably the best place is, I mean, I'll give you two options. You can either go on YouTube and search Wolfpack Adventures, which is the main travel channel me and Amanda have been growing for the past five, six years. Or you can find me on Instagram at AlexRidesMTB, which is just all the short form, cool mountain bike stuff. That it? Yeah. I'm sure it. there's more. There probably you can, you, it'll, you'll find all the arms and legs for there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nice one, buddy. Thanks. Good stuff. Thanks a lot. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the podcast. If you want to support me and help me make more of them, then you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also nip along to Instagram and follow me on Ravens Outdoor. And again, thank you so much for listening.